You're listening to the Burn Youth Podcast. We hope this message encourages and challenges you to live for Jesus. Let's get into it. A couple weeks before I got married, I had a traditional Australian hen's day, which if you don't know, basically it's where a bunch of girls um, that are your friends come around and you go and do something to celebrate the fact that you're getting married. And so my sister planned for me this beautiful hen's day. We had a um, nice high tea in the morning and then with a smaller group of girls in the afternoon, one of the things that we did is we went to an escape room. And I'd never done an escape room before. I don't know if you've done an escape room, but we thought that we were the most intelligent eight girls in the universe when we walked into that escape room. And what we didn't know at the time when we walked into the very first part of this escape room, of which there were three or four other rooms that you kind of went through before you escaped, is we got into this first room and you had an hour to complete the whole escape room and come out and they time you. And basically what happened is within the first few moments, we realized that we weren't all that intelligent and we were completely stuck. And basically what happened is we took the whole hour of time allocated inside that room and we never made it out of the first part of the escape room we were completely stuck we were locked in there we couldn't get out we couldn't move forward we just didn't know what to do I think we had called them on the walkie-talkie like a hundred times at that point and the poor people they were so kind they knew it was my hen's day and so they just let us take as long as we wanted to do the whole thing so we did finish eventually but I think it took us almost two hours to get out and they pretty much told us what to do every step of the way and it was really really embarrassing today I want to talk about Jesus being the healer of the captive you know you might feel free on the outside today. You might be excited to get your life back and your freedom back today, but I want to challenge you. Are you free on the inside today? You know, sometimes as Christians, we live in captivity when we don't need to. There are things that hold us back from living our best life that Jesus actually has the power to free us from. It might be insecurities or the way that you think and feel about yourself. It might be shame or guilt for things that you've done in the past. It might be fear of unknown outcomes. And all of these things are things that the enemy uses to keep you locked up in your sin and to keep you away from a life of freedom and of fullness and of forgiveness that Jesus bought for you on the cross. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes back to Nazareth and he um, walks into the temple and he reads from the scriptures and he pulls out the the scroll of Isaiah. And this is the scripture that he reads. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And after he reads that in the temple, he turns around and he says to the people in the room, he says, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled. 
when he came to them. This day is your freedom day, is what he was saying. You see, Jesus came not just to connect you back to God and not just to give you eternal life. And all of that is true, but he also came to set you free from anything that is trapping you or holding you back or keeping you captive from the life of fullness and freedom that he has for you. There's a story in um, the Bible in Mark chapter two, when Jesus is here on earth and he returns to his hometown. And basically the news spreads really quickly that he has come home. And so the house that he's staying at ends up being full of visitors. There's people crammed in this house. There's people out the front. It's chocker block. You can't get in. And these men hear that Jesus is in town. And so they go to their paralyzed friend and they pick him up on his mat and they bring him to Jesus. And when they get to the house where Jesus is, the room is so full, the outside is so full that they can't actually get inside. And so what these four men do is they climb up onto the roof and they dig a hole through the roof and they lower the paralyzed man on his mat through the roof, right down to the feet of Jesus. And it says in Mark chapter two, verse five, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And some people get really upset about this and they say, who is this guy saying that he forgives this man's sin? Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus basically says in response to them, he says, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And it says the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. The first thing that I notice about this scripture is that Jesus' first response to this paralyzed man is my child, your sins are forgiven. And as a kid, I never really understood this at all. I was like, this is really awkward, Jesus. You're missing the point. He's coming to you because he's paralyzed, not because of his sin. You're missing the point. But what this tells me is that Jesus knew that this man wasn't just trapped in his body. He wasn't just trapped because he was paralyzed, but he was trapped in his heart and in his mind by sin. You see, this guy wasn't out drinking too much and partying, and that wasn't his form of sin. He wasn't sleeping around. He wasn't doing any of those physical acts, and yet he still was not without sin. His thoughts are what caused him to be trapped in sin, just like all of us. You see, our thoughts are what hold us back. Our thoughts are the things that hold us captive more than anything. You see, our fears are our doubt or lack of trust in God. Our insecurities are the denial of God's perfect design. Our guilt and our shame that we hold on to downplay and reject what he did on the cross. In 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4, it says the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
I didn't say those things before to make you feel more guilt or more shame about the thoughts that are going on in your head, but to tell you that you have the ability to take captive your thoughts and give them over to Jesus and let him transform how you feel about your situation, how you see yourself, all of those things that hold you back. Are you taking your thoughts captive or are your thoughts taking you captive? See, in that moment, Jesus deals with his heart, but he also goes on to deal with his situation and he pulls through with a miracle for this guy. And the same goes for you. No matter what kinds of thoughts are going on in your mind, no matter what situation you find yourself in, he says, your sins are forgiven and I'll look after you. I will provide what you need, just like he did for this man. The second thing that I notice is that he was lowered through the roof and it says they put him right in front of Jesus. You have to get in to get out. You have to get into a space with Jesus, directly in front of Jesus to get out of your captivity. The thing about Jesus is that nobody knows you better than Jesus does. Nobody knows you better. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you need. And when you spend time with him regularly, when you're in the habit of making space for him to speak to you and to move in your heart and your life, he will do that. You know, he will encourage you when you get in a space with him. He will give you peace. He will give you clarity. He will give you comfort. He will give you ideas. He will set you free from the thoughts that are weighing you down. You just have to be in a place to listen to what he has to say about you and about your situation. Let him show you what the truth is. So often we get caught up. And once again, we get held back and weighed down by the things that we're feeling and we're unable to see what the truth is. But I guarantee you, if you find a space right in front of Jesus, He will speak the truth about what's going on in your situation and He will show you a way out of your captivity in that. The next thing I notice about this is that it was his friends that brought him to Jesus. He was incapable in that moment of coming to Jesus himself, even if he wanted to. And sometimes we have really low moments like that where it's hard to show up. It's hard to spend time with God and you have so many emotions and things going on that everything just seems difficult. And in that moment, it was his friends that picked him up and brought him to Jesus. We need each other. We need friends that aren't just going to sit with us and wallow, but that are going to pick us up and bring us to Jesus. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We hear this scripture a lot around weddings, but it's the same for every relationship. It's the same for your friendships, that two are better than one. You need people. When you're stuck, you need someone to help you out and that's okay, but find people that are going to bring you to Jesus. The last thing I want to note about this scripture is that nothing is impossible. See, Jesus healed both his heart and his mind and his body in that moment. And I love that the scripture says that when Jesus tells him to get to pick up his mat and to walk out because he's been healed, it says the guy just jumped up 
and walked out. In that moment, he had faith that he'd already been healed before he jumped up off the mat. See, we need to change our thoughts of negativity to thoughts of possibility because that's faith. In a, few, in a few chapters later, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus says everything is possible with God. And yet a lot of the time I feel like we don't live like that. But to have faith means that you have to risk it. You have to risk it to get the biscuit. And you have to live putting yourself out there because that's what a life of faith is. And unless you put yourself out there, unless you're willing to try again, unless you're willing to trust God again, then you're always going to be stuck in captivity. There's this thing called the Stockholm Syndrome. And basically what it is, it's when people who have been taken or held hostage form a psychological bond to their captor. And it's a really dangerous thing and it takes people a lot of healing to get past that. And I just want to encourage you as we wrap up to not become comfortable with being in captivity to not keep returning to that place because it's something you've become accustomed to or something you've become used to and that's where you end up feeling safe even though it's not good for you. Don't let it become normal for you to feel down on yourself or to feel afraid, but start to challenge it because once again, that's faith. Take your thoughts captive. Practice taking your thoughts captive. Create space every day for you to be with Jesus. Rely on your friends when you need to rely on your friends and start to believe and trust God that he has a better plan for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father God, we thank you that you're in control, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, that you give us freedom like no other, Lord God. We thank you that we can live a life of fullness and of wholeness because of who you are, God. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your safety over us, Father God. And ultimately, we thank you for what you did on the cross, Lord, and that sin is now not a part of our equation, Father God. And we can live free and we can live alive and we can live according to the plan that you have for us, Lord, which is amazing. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Burn Youth Podcast. To stay in the loop, follow us on Instagram at Burn Youth. See you next time.